It's Thursday, August 22nd. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into South Korea's decision to stop sharing military intel with Japan. We'll connect the dots on why there's animosity there and what this has to do with North Korea. Then, Planned Parenthood has been making some changes lately, and clinics around the country are starting to feel the pinch. And finally, why that perfect 10 is just so satisfying. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about intelligence sharing. Today, South Korea said it's no longer going to share military intel with Japan. And that's a big deal because the two had been working together to keep track of a common threat, North Korea. So we're going to get into the history of intelligence sharing between Japan and South Korea, why they're cutting off this line of communication now, and what that could mean for dealing with North Korea and other threats. South Korea's government did some cable cutting today. And this isn't about switching to Hulu. In a surprise move, one of South Korea's national security officials said his country will no longer share military intelligence with Japan about North Korea and other threats. This is about military intelligence, the kind of intel that requires a lot of time, money, and energy to gather and make sense of. As you might expect, Japan and South Korea both gather intel about North Korea, but they do it a bit differently. South Korea handles human intelligence sources, like spies and people who fled North Korea to do things like help analyze the country's missile program. And Japan, which is a bit further away from the two, uses things like satellites to keep tabs on what North Korea is up to. So by sharing intel, Japan gets to benefit from what South Korea knows and vice versa, without each of them having to do the same work, working smarter, not harder. This specific deal's been around since 2016, with the goal of responding more effectively to threats from China, Russia, and North Korea. The U.S. reportedly played a big role in pushing them to do it. But even though military officials liked this deal, a lot of people in South Korea weren't on board. A poll of South Koreans released right before the deal was signed found that close to 60% of South Koreans opposed it. So why the opposition? There's beef, really old beef, like from the early 1900s. That's when the Japanese empire occupied Korea as a colony, from 1910 to 1945. And for many in South Korea, there's long-standing resentment over what happened during that period. Court rulings in recent years have demanded that Japanese companies pay up for their use of Korean forced labor during World War II. Last year, South Korea's Supreme Court ordered the Japanese company Mitsubishi to pay tens of thousands of dollars to some of those laborers. Japan has been really angry that this history is getting dredged up. Back in 1965, Japan paid South Korea hundreds of millions of dollars in loans and grants. So it says, we already settled this bill. Turns out, the victims disagree. On top of all that, South Korea wants Japan to heal another wound from World War II, when tens of thousands of Korean women were forced into sexual slavery by the Japanese military. These grievances have been building for years, but the tensions have really gone up in the last few weeks. In July, a lot of South Koreans started a boycott of Japanese products. And early this month, Japan removed South Korea from a list of its preferred trading partners. These kinds of moves are bad news for the tech industry, which relies on easy trade between the two. In response, South Korea said two could play at that game and crossed off Japan from its own trade list. 
So things are capital F frosty. What happens next? The U.S. is really concerned that two key allies in Asia are picking a fight when it really wants them to be standing together against North Korea. A spokesperson from the Pentagon told the New York Times that intel sharing was key to common defense policy. And he said the countries should be focusing on solidarity and friendship instead of fighting. Some experts have said the U.S. should have stepped in earlier to help the two sides keep the peace. That with so much on the line, if the relationship went sour, the U.S. should be taking a much bigger role in making sure Japan and South Korea stay on the same page. You know, keep the friend group together. On a global scale, it's called alliance management. So what's the skim? Experts say South Korea and Japan's severing ties would make North Korea very happy. And North Korea might not be the only country loving this diplomatic meltdown. That deal was supposed to make it easier to respond to Chinese and Russian threats, too, who've been flying joint military patrols over the region lately. Before today's announcement, the Commandant of the Marine Corps, General David Berger, said in Tokyo that current issues aside, the U.S., Japan, and South Korea are still on the same page. My focus is the common threat. And all three agree what the near-term threat is, and you highlighted it from North Korea and the long-term strategic threat to to stability in this region and the world is China. All, all three of us agree on that. If Japan and South Korea want to backtrack, they're running out of time. The deadline to renew the deal is Saturday. Planned Parenthood has been going through some changes. Last month, the organization's board fired its president over differences in the direction of the nonprofit. And this week, it announced it's pulling out of a federal program called Title X. Already, clinics across the country say they're feeling the sting. So what is Title X? It's a federal grant program that was started in 1970 under President Nixon. Every year, the program sends hundreds of millions of dollars to family planning clinics, not just Planned Parenthood, that are in the U.S. and provide birth control and other reproductive health services, like STD testing. It's meant to help millions of low-income women and people in underserved communities, like rural areas who might not have access to insurance. But earlier this year, the Trump administration announced a new rule for Title X. It said organizations that provide abortions or refer patients for abortions will no longer be eligible for that funding. This directly impacts Planned Parenthood, which serves about 40% of all Title X patients. By law, Planned Parenthood already can't use federal funds toward its abortion services. So pro-abortion rights advocates saw this as an unnecessary crackdown. Planned Parenthood and the American Medical Association say that this rule would disrupt the doctor-patient relationship, since it would prevent doctors from sharing information on abortions that could be critical for their patients' health. They're especially concerned that this could hurt vulnerable, low-income, and pregnant women. Meanwhile, anti-abortion advocates say they hope this move will open up Title X funding for religious-based clinics and others that advise women against abortions. The question of whether the administration can put this sort of restriction on clinics is still playing out in the courts. But last month, a panel of judges told the administration, go ahead, citing that the Reagan administration was allowed to set up similar restrictions in the 80s. So what does this mean for Planned Parenthood? Like we said, the organization serves 40% of Title X patients, 1.5 million women. It gets $60 million a year to do that. 
Earlier this week, Planned Parenthood said it will stop taking that funding because if they kept taking it, they wouldn't be able to fully inform their patients on care. Here's Melanie Newman, senior VP at Planned Parenthood. We won't put our healthcare providers in that position, and so we've been forced out of the program. We're already seeing the impact of this move. In Utah, Planned Parenthood is the only Title X provider. It will now lose around $2 million a year, money used to serve nearly 40,000 patients across the state. Some patients were able to get services like birth control, STD testing, and cancer screening for free. Now Utah's Planned Parenthood says it may start charging a copay. The Planned Parenthood in Minnesota is reportedly weighing the same decision. Planned Parenthood officials are warning that could force some women to choose between paying for healthcare and paying for dinner, and that the effect in the near term could be the spread of STDs and more unintended pregnancies. One family planning organization in Maine that's also pulled out of Title X said it's looking for other sources of funding, perhaps from the state. Unless they get it, some clinics may have to close. The Amazon rainforest is on fire, and has been for a while now. This is a big deal because, as the largest rainforest in the world, it's responsible for producing a fifth of the world's oxygen. But don't hold your breath. Over 70,000 fires have been detected there this year. That's an unprecedented increase of over 80% compared to the same time last year. Which is crazy because the Amazon rainforest is usually known for being fairly fire-resistant. Environmentalists and researchers are placing a lot of the blame on humans, and specifically, cattle ranchers. Brazil's president has actually encouraged farmers to develop more of the Amazon, aka to cut down more trees. Cattle ranchers are known to purposely start fires in order to clear away trees for ranching. It's called slash and burn farming and is actually illegal in Brazil during this time of the year because it could cause forest fires. Yeah. Cattle ranching accounts for 80% of deforestation in the Amazon. And Brazil, which is home to most of the rainforest, is also the largest exporter of beef in the world. For more on this story, check out this morning's edition of The Daily Skim, where they did a great deep dive on the Amazon fires. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from your brain. Scientists at Washington State University looked at how companies do things like loyalty rewards and tracking goal progress for things like video games. And they found that consumers prefer round numbers way more than others. Apparently, round numbers give us a much greater sense of accomplishment, and they make us feel more content. We'd rather be told we've completed 50% of something rather than 51. Marketers for things like finance apps and other goal-tracking programs can use round numbers to heighten our sense of achievement. So experts warn, if you're cramping up after 99 push-ups, no need to break your back to make it 100. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us online. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.